Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Music Plays the Band. We're not going to number this episode because it's not really an episode. We're, uh, we're taking this week off from our normal episode and kind of enjoying the holiday, but my partners thought it would be fun to have me be a guest for a short segment. So uh, today, the uh, Brothers Lazaroff are going to have a conversation with me, Rob Koritz of the Dark Star Orchestra. So I hope you all enjoy it. I'll be back in two weeks with uh, episode number 16 and my guest Vince Herman from Leftover Salmon. We had a great conversation earlier today, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. But uh, in the meantime, enjoy this one here. So everybody have a great holiday, and uh, we'll see you soon. Okay, so like we said, today's a little different kind of episode, and and, uh, we've done 15. We're on a little break this week, but uh, my partners and producers, the Brothers Lazaroff, are with me, and they wanted to turn the tables a little bit, and uh, they want to take the mic and have me be the subject today. So David and Jeff Lazaroff, welcome. How are you? How you doing, Rob? Doing good, man. Good to see you. Glad to have you here and as glad to have you as my partners. They're really the impetus of what put this all together. Um, and they they decided they wanted to ask me some questions today. So I'm going to turn the mic over to them now. Okay. So when we first connected about this idea, when you were doing your DSO Facebook Lives, and we first started talking about you wanting a way to make this more of a sustainable thing, more of an ongoing thing, that had, you know, something to it. And so we started talking about what we would do. I'm wondering, what do you think about where it's gone? What do you think about what's become of what we've put together? Well, when you when, when we talked about that sustainable thing, I was still thinking Facebook, because to be honest with you, I had no idea what a podcast was. You know, I know it's only, I know it was middle of 2020, but this guy hadn't caught up yet. Didn't really know what podcasts were. I'd heard of them. Um, so, you know, you all said, let's, let's think about taking it into podcast form. And I had to do a little research to figure out what exactly that meant. Um, and so what, what were you thinking when you first started? Well, like when you first started doing those Facebook lives, what, what'd you get from a, like, what'd you, what'd you experience when you kind of did something new like that? Well, at first, you know, the first reason I did it was just to, to, to I guess it was twofold. One, to give me something to do here at home, but you know, number two was to, keep connected with our fans. You know, that's such a huge part of dark star is having this, this community of fans that we see. And I didn't want them to forget about us while nobody was playing. It was such a strange time, you know, and people were doing live streams, but dark star couldn't, couldn't really do that. Um, so I just wanted to stay engaged and show the fans that, Hey, we're still here. Um, and it ended up being so cool getting all these great questions, whether it was about music or home life or sports or whatever. You know, that I, I really, really enjoyed it and looked for it became something I started looking forward to doing every other week, you know, and, and uh, I had no intentions of that. It just it just kind of really it, it 
it created a life of its own, totally organically. Cause I didn't expect any of this, you know? Um, and then when you and I, when you guys started talking, we started having these meetings about how we're going to do this. It was like, yeah, maybe. And then the more we talked about it and the more I saw what could be done, I was like, yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Did you have any, uh, ever have any aspirations for radio or, because you have like a natural kind of personality for the, the medium. And I think a lot of people have said that about the show. You have any, who did you like, who did you listen to radio wise? Like, are you a podcast fan? You know, what's funny about that? You know, my mom, my mother always said I should do radio because like when I'd go on and do these interviews for KDHX here in town or on the road, you know, for the band, it was always really natural. But for me, to be honest, if I was going to do radio, I always wanted to be the color analyst for a hockey team. Uh, I did <laughs> because I love hockey so much. And ever since I was a little boy, you know, the play-by-play announcer does his thing. And then the analyst analyzes and talks about it, the color commentary. And I always say the shit before they do what they're going to say. I've always said it first <laughs> you know, and I still do it. My boys will go, daddy, you just said that. So my dream was always <laughs> to be a color, color analyst for professional hockey. You know? well, well, for us, ever since we've known each other, you have been that color analyst, but for the team of the Grateful Dead. Right. And it's interesting to, you know, hear you talk about that, you know, and, and have how articulate you are about the subject. And how have you found kind of having those conversations with other professional musicians, some who do the repertoire as their profession and a lot of those who don't. Right. You know, so it's, um. It's been super interesting. I mean, I've learned a ton, you know, from talking to these different people. And you go back to somebody like like Teresa Williams, um, who knew nothing about the dead until she was further along in life, you know, and was playing with Larry, who was playing with Phil. And that's how she found out about it. You know, to talk to someone like that who didn't know a thing and then to talk to somebody like Chris Jacobs, whose parents would abandon him for three days so they could go on tour when he was a little boy, you know, so there's, there's so all these musicians I'm talking to have all come to the grateful dead in such different ways that it's really cool to hear all that. Um, and, and aside from the grateful dead, to be honest, what I found most interesting doing this podcast is how much I've learned doing the black music moment, you know, not, I mean, I've, you know, you know, those songs because you've heard them before and you've heard of these artists, but, do you really know that much about them? Well, no, I didn't, you know, and then I start digging in and doing the research on them and it's like, holy shit, this is cool. You know I mean? I learned more about Jesse Fuller who did monkey and the engineer and beat it on down the line. I didn't know he was a one man band. I didn't know he invented an instrument. I didn't know he learned all this and all his songs are railroad songs because he took the railroad from Mississippi to Oakland and to start a new life, you know? So learning all these different things about the black musicians has been super cool. That's what we've always loved about the Grateful Dead is it seems like the more you put yourself into the history and where they're pointing you towards, it's a great way to learn about music and world culture and you know, for sure philosophy. And, and that's why I think what's been cool with, that we've been able to do with the show is, you know, with the Black Music Moment with, and the Sarno Music Solutions Breakdown. It's almost like we've created a little bit of a body of, uh, of um, where we set out to talk to different people about the Grateful Dead and to, to um to explore some of the past, the history of the audio and the music, we're kind of creating and curating our, uh, 
uh, a little uh, archive of history, um, uh, stories of, of um, a subject we all love. And it's it's been fun to watch you be able to put together your whole life's experience of being a professional musician, being a huge fan, dedicating your life to this music, um, yet also having a lot of, also being able to use your experience before Dark Star, right. um, being a jobby musician and how, you know, how you have anything you could say about some of the conversations about bringing kind of like, how has it been to revisit everybody's experience with professional musicianship and being a grateful dead? It, it's crazy, honestly, because if you go back to like the, let's go back to like the person who might've been the earliest one I've done, which is Yorma, you know, and Yorma, is in a station wagon with Garcia and they're playing acoustic guitars together, you know? So you go from this guy who literally was right there, who admits he would not be an electric guitar player today if it wasn't for Garcia. So I go from that to the gentleman I'm going to interview later today uh, for next week's episode, Vince Herman from leftover salmon who went to shows all the time growing up and was a died in the wool deadhead. And then, you know, and a lot of the guys who I've interviewed are kind of in this same boat, uh, went from that to playing with Phil or to playing with Bobby, you know, and, and, and Chris Jacobs, who I already mentioned, you know, he grew up that way as, as his parents would disappear and go on, on dead tour and they didn't abandon him. He was taken care of. It's not like they left him in the house with frozen pizza and the $20 bill, but, um, you know, and then. And then 25 years later, he's taking his dad with him when he goes to play in Phil and Friends. How cool is that? Well, and you also have like, I love how like I learned that Jeff Comenti had a whole career of being a musician before even falling into and understanding what it was all about. Yeah, he so, knew uh, nothing. He knew nothing yeah. about the Grateful Dead. And the first time he ever listened to the Grateful Dead and really started to hear what the music was about, he's sitting in Bob Weir's living room. You know, so there's just so many different stories of the way these guys and gals um, got into playing the Grateful Dead or having the Grateful Dead be an influence on their career, whether they play it or not. You know, and it's it's really been fun listening. You know, there's a lot of the a lot of similar stories with my guests, but they're all still different. They're all still unique, you know, and a lot of it depends on how old they are. You know, Yorma is on the older end and obviously he was there at the beginning. Uh Chris Jacobs, Reed Mathis, another one. He's probably one of my youngest guests. And he's played with Billy, Mickey, Phil, not Phil, um, Billy, Mickey, Bobby. He's played with everybody, essentially. And he was a jazz cat, you know, growing up. He didn't know anything about the dead until he was in his 20s and started playing with Steve Kimmock. So everybody's path is so different, yet they all end up at the same place. And whether they started listening to it when they were uh, in the cradle or when they were in their 30s, it still had a huge influence on them musically. You know, that's, that's the testament to the music right there. And, and I think we've seen the legacy of music fans and um, supporters that it's kind of uh, established for a whole genre, different genres. You know, I think uh, I forgot who said it, but like a lot of the bluegrass, uh, you know, the influence of the Grateful Dead on the bluegrass world. Oh yeah. Who was that? And, um, you know, uh, Oh, Anders, uh, no. Oh, it was Anders. It was Anders. Be- it was Anders Beck. Anders Beck, who said, "There's not a bluegrass guitar player out there who wasn't influenced by Garcia." And that's a different genre. You're right, David. That's a complete. That's not a Grateful Dead genre. But there's not a bluegrass guitar player out there. He thinks it wasn't influenced by Garcia. 
And, it, and it's cool how a lot of these professional musicians, um, you know, have created, uh, you know, a career on that world of, of, of Jerry and the Grateful Dead's kind of influence of, and fan base, how wide of a, you know, how wide of a genre sweep it is. And right. Along that line about how wide it is, it's amazing when we get into that, the segment of there's a Grateful Dead band in every town about how this music, you know, the only other thing you can compare it to are, you know, classical composers who are played in classical halls throughout the country or jazz standards played by, you know, bands and so like, I mean, there's no other repertoire. It's just, you know, play just that repertoire like the Grateful Dead is with the Grateful Dead cover band in every town. For it's sure. What- yeah. I mean, I was, I was the Grateful Dead cover band in this town for sure. Um, it's, it's, you know, we all, from my perspective, I've always known it was there and I have a feeling the listeners have known it to an extent because they all have a Grateful Dead cover band in the towns that they're living in. Um, but the Grateful Dead music literally is probably the only music out there that you can, in any city in the country, there's multiple nights a week where you can go out and hear that music. And other than, like you said, other than the symphony or going to a jazz club where you're going to hear the same tunes out of the real book every night, there's no other music that's being played on multiple nights in every city in the country, for sure. And, and talking to all these different uh, co- for lack of a better term, cover band musicians has been super cool. Some of them have day jobs. Some of them are full-time players. Some of them play the Grateful Dead only. Some of them are uh, big jazz guys and play with, you know, uh, who was it up in uh, Seattle? Jeff Malinowski plays with Skarek and he plays with Robert Walters, 20th Congress, but his favorite project is his dead band. (laughs) Well, my big aha moment with uh, the Grateful Dead cover band segment from listening to your interviews was I said, Jeff Malinowski and I was wrong. It's Andy Coe up in Seattle. That was it. Sorry, Andy. Apologize oh, for that. Thank you. Um, uh, the, the aha moment that, that I had listening to your interviews with the, the different dead cover bands has been, it's also kind of like a church or a synagogue in every town as much as a musical. Like it's like, here's the, here's the, the song book. It's the book of Psalms. It's your, it's your, you know, your spiritual, you know, guidance uh, and and people play these tunes all over the country. And sometimes there's two or three, you know, in a town right. and you have your different flavors and um, people go to have those, the community you talked about in each segment, you know, the different communities, they're all, and how every couple of years they shift, they right. some come in from college you know, uh, as they get older and some people's kids start coming and those stories you got about like the fan base, uh, some of them, some of them. And again, my listeners, actually the musicians who I'm talking about, excuse me if I mix up names and cities, cause there's been a lot of them in the last six months, <laughs> this. but a couple of them, at least one for sure. The noodles down in Phoenix, Kim, and I think there was one other one, their regular gig is actually on Sunday. Right. You know? So those people, their church on Sunday, they go hear that local Grateful Dead cover band at that same club every Sunday. And that is their church or their synagogue, you know, their, their, their temple. That's yeah. it. That's it. These are, these are, this, this the repertoire of compositions stands with only those. And it's just, it's great to hear. It's true. And, you know, and outside, and that's kind of, a, kind of the shame of it, if, if I want to say it that way that people who aren't grateful dead fans necessarily 
don't realize that this music is a huge chunk of the great American songbook. Oh, yeah. You know, and granted, they know some of it because it's not necessarily tunes that the Grateful Dead originally played or performed. You know, and they know Dylan. You know, and Dylan's part of the great American songbook. He's yeah. part of the fabric. Well, that's a good point. But the dead, for sure, man. So many. I mean, that you know, it, it doesn't get any more American than the music the Grateful Dead are playing. Well, because it's it's it, it isn't just the interesting part of it as well as it's not just their compositions, right? Also, what they do as interpreters on it's the whole. So it's it's always on so many different levels. The musicology, you know, you know, world music, you know, technology, all the different aspects, you know, of how. History, yeah. yeah. But, so. but, you know, but uh, but what your interviews have done, though, I think, is showing how people discover that fact. Like when when you see where Teresa Williams uh, gets exposed, like realizes, oh wow, this is really a lot of like the stuff I love. When you see Jeff Comenti realize, oh wow, this is so free. You know, everyone kind of finds their. But but so what was so interesting was. Uh, Teresa was so into the words and blown away by the words. Larry, who'd been a fan forever, really was hearing some of the words through her for the first time because he was just into the grooves, you know. Right. He was so into the, the folk history and connected with that. So it's just been so the the, the stories you brought out have been so kind of like maybe stuff we all think about it's with val- these musicians we love. It's, it's like- validating <laughs> as a huge fan and a musician to hear to hear some of your heroes like Larry Campbell, to hear Yorma, all these people that you've always talk about their experience with and how humble they are about, you know, the influence of the dead. And once it's kind of part of you, you know, it changes the way you approach professional musicianship, the way you approach writing. So, yeah. And the, and the amazing thing about it is every single one of these guests just wants to do it. I mean, I've had my, my acceptance rate, if you will, of people I've asked to do this has got to be 95% because you know, and the ones who have said they can't is usually because of scheduling or whatnot. But well, Jeff, that was Jeff's uh, uh, original uh, hypothesis. Yes, musicians that love the dead love to talk about the dead. <laughs> it's that simple. I it, think it's that. I think and you it's nailed it, man. I mean, every, every sure, single one of them. Yeah, there's just so much there. There's history. There's there's gear. There's songs. There's covers. There's different styles. There's so much for musicians to talk about. You know? And I send out I send out the text or an email, you know, and a lot of these people I know and the ones I don't know, I get through channels. I find them, you know, who, who do? Oh, I know this guy that knows that guy, blah, blah, blah. And I'll send out a text and whether I know him or not or an email, usually within minutes. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Let's find a time because they want to talk about the dead. Let's talk about and if you're listening now and you got a, a, a dead cover band or someone you think that we should talk to. Yeah. So, please let but, us know. Keep us. So, so we, you know, this whole thing was birthed out of uh, the pandemic, this, this incredible, crazy, isolating time. And, and this thing really gave Jeff and I a lot of joy to work on and, and help, help you kind of create, we created our own little, you know, learned about podcasting, what an adventure, but now that you're back touring and on the road, my question is, is, How's that shifting? I know. Uh, how is that shifting the podcast? Uh, um, you know, r- role. We're, and- we're going to find out as we go along. It's going to yeah. be a. Uh, it's going to be a work in progress. You know, on the last episode, I actually recorded part of it in a hotel room in South Carolina because I needed to find an hour here to do it. Um, it's it's a little harder to get it done, definitely, because I don't have as much time at home. On the plus side, tomorrow I'm going to a festival. And I'm taking my microphone. 
because I don't, I don't know who will be there. It's a, I, w- I wish I could stay all weekend and I'd get everybody. Um, but we're only there for a day, but I know some folks will be there and I might not get the full form 45 minute interview, but you know, I might be able to get someone to pull over to the side for 15 minutes and tell me how they got into the dead, you know? And so maybe instead of, uh, maybe I'll find myself instead of doing an interview, uh, episode featuring my guest, uh, whoever today, you know, today's episode comes to you from the peach fest where we talk with numerous artists that I was, you know, blah, blah, blah. Who knows it, it could go end up going that way for a while. Um, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves. Uh, and in, in what segments really take off and what segments maybe pair back a little bit. Um, you know, it, it may stay exactly the same. That's kind of exciting to see how it's going to go with working. It's a little daunting also. I won't lie, you know, cause it's a, it's a lot of work putting this thing together uh, every two weeks. And uh, it's going to be a little harder with a little bit more time crunch, but you know, at least I'm busy before I let you guys go. And, and I know we're all busy right now, but uh, I want to ask you, as, as people I've known for most of your lives, actually. Um, how did you all get into the dead? How did this happen for you? Well, for us, it, it happened uh, on the Lake of the Ozarks, <laughs> Camp Sabra. We both went to uh, that camp, and there was a counselor who worked on the ski dock and Rob Quartz, and, uh, and we would go on canoe trips and Rob would talk about this band. Okay, I'll stop talking about you in third person. So you would talk about this band and how the live experience was, what it was about, and how trading tapes was a part of the culture. And you, you, you had buddies and tons of friends, and and you shared tapes with us, and <laughs> were le- legitimately. And from that, I went home, and I had just recently gotten a CD player, I think after my bar mitzvah, and one of the first things I got was in the dark and then I got the greatest hits, but it was specifically because of our conversations about them, you know, on the river. And you went down the current river in 1987. Well, now Jeff's older than I am and I wasn't on those, that canoe trip, but uh, my, when I started playing guitar at like 15 and a half, 15, uh, I started also going to see live music and my brothers were into the dead. So I, I had gotten, you know, some, uh, some CDs and some live tapes. And so, but, but for me was going to see you playing in, uh, in, in the main band you played, was it not the Schwag? Was who that was, was one of, that was one of them back then. Was that in Kerosene Willie with the guys from Jake's leg and blue Dixie? A, and we saw them with the Schwag. Yeah. So, I, I mean, for me, for me, a lot of my first experiences was seeing you in the Schwag. That's uh, back so funny. In was 1994 probably. Yeah, that would have been about right. And you yeah. you were there, and you were one of the first people I knew that was doing not just uh, not just for the Grateful Dead point, but for me, just starting playing guitar and knowing you as as uh, as a mentor, as a counselor, as someone I looked up to, making a living as a drummer in a in a band, yeah, just also starting to music that I loved. And, and and you know what? During that time, some of those gigs I can't not sure which ones, but a lot of those gigs probably Brad Sarno was on guitar. Wow. <laughs> and you may not have even known it back then, you know, but that was because wow. Brad and Chopper were in that band with us for a long time. So you may, you may have been watching the galaxy show that I remember particularly. Dude, no, it's not even go there. He's, he's referring to bar mitzvahs that I used to play and all the campers. Oh, no. be there. 
no, 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 no. Well, Love the galaxy. But now that you're thinking, now that even takes me further back, galaxy. Oh wow, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the brothers want to. I'm ready to go, but the brothers say they want to turn the tables here and do a do a little lightning round with me on the other side today. So uh, I know you're shooting from the hip there. So go for it. I'm gonna do. So wait, hold on. So we should just kind of. Should we just do our favorite ones? What's that? Lightning round. Or should we do the lightning round with you? However you want to do it. I don't even know what we're asking. What are we asking? Well, it's like you know they do a favorite, you know, favorite city for a day off. Oh, his one. Favorite recording. Got it. Got it. All right. I'm going to. All right. Favorite, favorite live dead year. Favorite live dead year. Yeah. God, that's a tough one, man. Now, well, now I know why my, my guests hate this. Um, <laughs> favorite recording year. God, probably 72. 72. Favorite year or tour for Mickey's rig. For, of his rig, yeah, your favorite oh, rig that he had. Man, got to change it so much. Um, probably the late '80s because I love the way the drum kit was set up with the big tom on the side. That's some of my favorite stuff, and the the MIDI and the electronics are just coming in. So I'm going to go with late '80s. Favorite studio album, Working Man's Dead. Studio. Or live release, live. Although I could give, I could give the answer a lot of guys give at the beginning, like Baracko and Keller and all those guys all said live dead because that one was actually recorded live with studio overdubs, so that was both. But no, live recordings for sure. Favorite color, <laughs> purple. Well, he's not getting off that easy. Favorite album, any music. Paul Simon's concert in Central Park in 1991. That was easy for me. That's my Desert Island album. Lots of percussion. Every set of speakers you listen to it on, you hear a different woodblock or triangle you've never heard before. First job. uh, First, like, real job, selling shoes at the athlete's foot in Plaza Frontenac. That doesn't count, like, coaching and refereeing at the J and stuff like that. But if I had to pick one, yeah. Selling shoes at the athlete's foot in Plaza Frontenac. First car. A 1978 Thunderbird that was my grandfather's, the biggest car known to man. Very cool. Uh, Favorite city for a day off? I think I knew this from listening. (sighs) And it's all about the golf for me on days off. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with what Comenti said, and it's uh, whichever one has a golf course closest. (laughs) I think I know this. Favorite venue? Be there next Monday, Red Rocks, all the way. Yeah, oh, that's a good way to leave it. Go see, yeah, go see, get your tickets to see Dark Star that's right. Red Rocks. Yeah. <laughs> you still got time. This is coming out on the first, and yeah. uh, and we're playing there on the fifth. So come Look on out that. to Red Rocks. Tickets that's still available. That moment there at the end of our interview. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Those are good ones. Well, Any thanks, more? Uh, thanks, for, give, thanks for giving us a chance to work on this with you, and uh, and you know, and uh, explore the, all these uh, subjects. My pleasure. You know, it's thank you guys because I obviously I wouldn't have done this without your uh, without your 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 drive to do it. I mean, we talked about this, and the next day they sent me an outline of here's what we're gonna do, and I was like, holy shit, these guys mean business. Let's just get to it, man. This is awesome. You know, and I've known Jeff and David since we were little kids, but uh, and I've known them as as their camp counselor, and I've known them as as a musician and a, a 
a musical mentor in some ways because I'm a little older and got to the pro game a little bit before them. But it's been really nice doing this on more of a business level and more of a creative level outside of music as well. Um, it's been really good for all of us, and it kept us all sane during the during the pandemic. So uh, we have no plans to stop. We're going to keep it going for you all, folks. And uh, please uh, say thank you to Jeff and David Lazaroff. You can check out the Brothers Lazaroff. Uh, go to go to www.themusicplaystheband.net, and uh, they use a direct link to everything Brothers Lazaroff. And I know they have a big gig tonight that will have already happened when you hear this, but have a great gig this evening, boys. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, man. Yeah, I got some big stuff coming to fall. Hey, thanks, Rob, for playing drums for us during the pandemic, too. Oh, it was so much fun. That kept me sane, too, having some weekly gigs, just something to look forward to every Tuesday, doing the, the weekly pr- The weekly front yard uh, podcast chat. Slash gig. It, it was great. I mean, <laughs> played looking, the front yard. That was great. Looking forward to that every Tuesday and giving people a chance to come sit in the street and hear live music gives us a chance to play. It was, it was really good. So, uh, thanks for doing that with us, man. My pleasure. We're not going anywhere, folks. We'll be back in two weeks, and I will have Vince Herman from Leftover Salmon. That'll be July 15th. That's David and Jeff Lazaroff. Thank you all for being here. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.